Blog Talk Radio. On our 13th episode of the IV, we'll be discussing the first two Cubs regular season games, as well as who had the best performances in each of those games and other NL Central notes. We will also have our fifth segment of Cub of Yesteryear, as we'll be talking about Hall of Fame second baseman Ryan Sambert. We'll talk about it all on our 13th episode of the IV. Welcome into the 13th episode of the Ivy. As myself, Thomas, my partner, Max, will be here with you for the next 45 minutes to dive into everything Cubs related. If you like the Cubs, you've come to the right afternoon to join us here. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing good. All right. Well, today we'll be talking about the Cubs' first two games and the Cubs' MVPs from those games along with looking at some other series going on around the NL Central, with the Cardinals facing the Brewers and the Pirates facing the Reds. Then we're going to wrap it up with our fifth edition of Cub of Yesteryear, where we'll be talk- taking a look at Ryan Sandberg's career. Lastly, make sure to call into the show by calling number 845-277-9345 to join us and ask a question or comment on anything Cubs-related. Also, if you want to go to uh, Wrigley Field, for the Cubs opening day, make sure you use promo code BPN10. That's BPN10 on Stubyard for 10% off any tickets for every event. So, Max, first we're going to get into the first two Cubs games of 2019 for the Chicago Cubs, and I'll let you open it up on March 28th against the Rangers. Yeah, so our opening day versus the Rangers, March 28th, um, John Lester started versus left-handed pitcher Mike Miner. Um, Lester had a pretty good game as well. Um, I watched, I mean... Um, I really liked what I had saw from him. He went six innings with only four hits allowed, um, two, earned ro- two earned runs, two walks, and three Ks um, for his first win of the season. Um, obviously, it's not all that great seeing the Ks a little low, um, and I did get a little bit worried after that homer that he had given up. But other than that, um, I think he looked pretty good. Thomas, did you watch that game? Yeah, I definitely definitely watched it. And uh, John Lester's struggles in spring, it was good to see him uh, be able to rein it in, kind of uh, go those six innings. And he limited the damage, even though only three strikeouts. Uh, we'd like to see more, probably get into five, six range next start. Um, but, yeah, overall, I liked it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and bullpen notes, Randy Rosario pitched the seventh inning. Um, he struck out two for a scoreless inning. Brad Brock, um, the new Cub, pitched a scoreless eighth inning and, and struck out one. Pedro Strope and Mike Montgomery um, both were tagged with one earned run in the ninth off of Nomar Mazzara's two-run homer um, in the Rangers' last at-bats. Um, Elvis Andrus hit the two-run homer off of John Lester in the third to give Texas a 2 nothing lead. Javi then answered Andrus's homer with um, his own solo shot in the fourth to make it 2-1. to one. Jason Hayward started off a six-run fifth inning with an RBI single to tie the game at two. Mark Segunis also had an RBI double, making it 3-2, to two, as Chris Bryant also had an RBI ground out, making it 4-2. to two. Um Javi Baez then hit his second homer of the day 
um, a three-run homer to cap off the six-run inning, six-run inning, and give the Cubs a 7-2 lead at the end of the Cubs' fifth inning. Um, the Cubs then added two more runs in the sixth, thanks to Albert Almora's RBI single and Anthony, Anthony Rizzo's RBI walk to score Ben Zobris and pad the lead to 9-2. Jason Hayward then grounded into a double play in the seventh, but it scored Wilson Contreras. Chris Bryant then went yard for the first time this season with a two-run homer in the eighth to score Almora to top off the Cubs scoring at 12 runs. Um, Thomas? Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. it was a really good game overall. Um. It was super good seeing um, just how good the offense was. Um, I mean, that's not something we really saw a lot of. And there was actually an interesting set, too. Um, I know you put on there, so I'll let you get into that. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's September of 2017, but I know it was sometime in 2017. Uh, It was the first game since that game in 2017 in which the Cubs had um, at least 12 runs, at least eight walks, and at least 25 total bases. Um, and for me, like you said, uh, that's a great sign for the Cubs, especially after last season's ending, um, coming to an abrupt ending, you could say, uh, with the offense just not producing anything, not just for a week, but in that whole last month. Um, so to have a historical kind of opening day like that was definitely good to see. And also I wanted to go into uh, the Mark Zagunas thing as well, uh, because as for me and probably you, um, we saw that, there was a lot of stuff on social media about how Kyle Schwarber should have been starting instead of Sigunis, but it was good to see uh, Sigunis get that RBI double. And in the end, I think he had a couple of hits, uh, if I remember correctly. Or, no, sorry, he was one of two with a run scored and the RBI with the double before he got pinch hit by Kyle Schwarber, who went one of three on the day. Um, but other notable performances uh, from – Thursday's opening day was Baez going two for five with those two home runs. Obviously, Javi picking up right where he left off. Albert Amora got six at-bats in the leadoff spot. He did strike out three times, but he was able to get on base twice with an RBI. And then also David Bodie went two for four with two runs scored. Zobris was one for two with two runs scored and two walks. Uh, he was the DH on Thursday's opening day matchup, uh, but eventually got pinch hit for by Daniel Piscalso later in the game. And then it was also good to see Jason Hayward going two for five with a run scored in RBI. Uh, Jason Hayward, I feel like this season is going to be a guy that we're going to see a lot of games in which he gets, you know, a couple multi-hits, uh, you know, two for four, two for five games. And at this point, he's not going to uh, yield anything that's worth his salary. Uh, but, you know, if he can go consistently with a couple hits a game, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about that. Yeah, I agree. And then – uh, some other notes, uh, Hayward and Mark Zagunis were the only ones who grounded the double plays yesterday on Thursday. Also, uh, the Cubs team was 4 for 12 with runners in scoring position. Uh, that's not great, but it's also not terrible. Uh, and compared to just the two chances for the Rangers, as they went 1 for 2 with runners in scoring position, um, it's not so much about uh, all the time uh, executing those situations, but at least being in those situations and uh, that showed having the Cubs have 10 more plate appearances than the Rangers with runners in scoring position. Um, and then also just a couple more things. Wilson Contreras caught Delino, Delino or Delino DeShields uh, trying to steal base but gunned him out. And then uh, Mike Miner really struggled for the Rangers. He gave up six earned runs. And it was also cool to see, uh, well, for the Cubs fans at least, 
uh, former Cub Jesse Chavez was the one who gave up Javier Baez's <laughs> second home run, uh, which was the first pitch of that at bat. So I thought that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, that yeah. Um, I was actually I actually I told my dad like right when Jesse came in, I was like Javier's gonna hit a homer and like Jesse's and I think there was an interview with Jesse too after the game. Um, I was reading up on social media on Twitter a little bit, and apparently there was some interview and one of the uh, spokespeople had asked what Jesse had thought about like or how he made his decision, and I heard he didn't really say much, but. Yeah, so it looked pretty weird, like as I had seen, but. Huh. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't see that um, for after the game. But overall, yeah, my final thought that game. Um, you know, I think we kind of said it. It was a great opening day. Cubs were one and zero, and um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was a pretty good game. So then the Cubs had an off day on March 29th with uh, about half of the league. Uh, that's kind of how they do it on opening day. About half the teams, or at least for opening weekend, they'll play a four-game series, and a, the other half will play a uh, three-game series. So yesterday the Cubs faced the Rangers for game two. It was former Ranger right-handed pitcher Yu Darvish making his first start of 2019. And Yu uh, Darvish, <clears throat> he struck out three batters in the first inning. Uh, he got the first two batters and then struggled to get the last out as he walked three straight batters after those first two Ks. But eventually – after 35 first-inning pitches, you Darvish struck up the side, I guess you could say, um, and the Cubs led 3-0 after first inning. But then you really struggled uh, with command just the whole night. He walked the first two batters, he faced the second, um, and then he also had a wild pitch in that inning. Eventually led to Runed Ordor's RBI single to make it a 3-1 game in the second. And then in the third, it was much of the same. Yu uh, Darvish walked Nomar Mazzara to lead off the inning. And then Isdrubal Cabrera finally made Yu Darvish pay uh, with his two-run homer to turn the Cubs lead to 4-3. At that point, Joe Madden saw enough and pulled Darvish after two and two-thirds innings. Darvish finished with a final line of 2.2 innings pitched, two hits, three earned runs, and an alarming seven walks. Um, the one positive was that we saw the four Ks. We did see the strikeout pitch a little bit. But overall, an inefficient night for Darvish. 75 pitches for him. 38 strikes, so as close as you can get to about 50% of his pitches being a ball. And, um, yeah, for me, on Instagram, Max, with Darvish, I've been trying to tell a lot of cousins who are worried, just kind of trust the process. He's still coming back from the injury um, and give him just a couple more starts before um, anyone's really concerned. Yeah, I agree. That's that's um I, I got a lot of personal DMs and comments um on the post game from last night, um just about Darvish, how he has struggled and even Edwards too. I I've seen a lot of things about um mm-hmm. Edwards. I mean, it's just it blows my mind how people would even like they don't see the talent in Edwards or Darvish. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't I don't fully understand it, but yeah, I mean, we'll get into C.J. Edwards. Before that, um, Steve Ciszek finished the third inning off uh, in relief for Darvish, and then a surprise appearance uh, from Jose Quintana. He came into the game. Uh, he had four innings out of the pen. Even though he allowed six hits and three walks, he only allowed two earned runs from a two-run single in the seventh before he got pulled. And the interesting thing was eight strikeouts from Jose Quintana in four innings. And that's a huge strikeout guy. And, I mean – 
it was just a weird, a really weird appearance uh, going four innings like that in the yeah, second yeah. game of the year. Yeah. And but then, that does, uh, what I was going to say is, um, just to mention it, um, I wasn't sure if we were going to get into it later or not, but um, that probably, so he won't start in Atlanta now. On that, and that sets him up for either the series in Milwaukee or the first game at home. Um, I know he's been, I mean, great against Milwaukee and even really good at home too. So um, it's going to be inter- interesting to see what Joe does there. Yeah, definitely. And then um, as for uh, the Cubs, other bullpen notes, like you said, C.J. Edwards, to my, I mean, to everyone's eyes, he looked awful. Um, he has this new delivery in which he kind of looked like he was trying too hard to me, uh, kind of trying to pull the pitcher too hard instead of just making good pitches. He did give up uh, two hits, two walks, and three earned runs in the eighth uh, before he got pulled. Uh, he did give up the go-ahead and eventually game-winning three-run homer to the big lefty bat in Joey Gallo. Um, and then the other bullpen note is that Brandon Kinsler did relieve Edwards. He looked good. Uh, he induced a ground ball, double play, and also got a strikeout. But I'll let you get into the scoring plays, Matt. So a little bit of the scoring plays. Um, Javi had another RBI single in the first. Um, once again, has looked good so far. Um, Schwarber also had an RBI single as well as Contreras. Um, Odor for the Rangers had an RBI single. Contreras then had an RBI double. Um, then Cabrera, like you had mentioned earlier, hit a two-run homer off of Darvish. Um, and then choose two-run single in the seventh. Um, a few of the notable performances, Javi went two for four with two runs scored, an RBI, and a walk. Um, he's now four for nine in the first two games with two homers, five RBI, and a stolen base. Schwarber, as the DH, went three for five with a solo homer and two RBI. Contreras went three for five with two doubles, two RBI, and a run scored. Um, and for the Rangers, as Drubal Cabrera had three hits, including his two-run homer off of Darvish, and Nomar Mazzara had walked four times in the game for the Rangers. And then some other notes to finish it off. Uh, the Cubs were not a two-shabby, four for ten with runners in scoring position. The Rangers were three for 12. Like we said, uh, this was kind of a stolen win for the Rangers. Uh, the Cubs are winning the whole game until that eighth inning. Um, and then also Hayward grounded into a double play. Um, it's, that's now both games we started the year with that. And then there was no errors for either team in this game. And another notable uh, play was Quintana picking up Renato Dor at first base. Um, overall, uh, like we said, it was kind of a stolen win for the Rangers, but hopefully it comes to win the series then today. Yeah. So now we'll get into an ad with the Marlins catch, and we'll be back to talk about the Cubs' MVPs for the first two games and some other NL Central series notes. In this week's episode of the Marlins catch, We'll be recapping the first week of the opening series against the Rockies. What were the ups and what were the downs? We will also be discussing the weekly awards for this week and previewing next week's series against the Mets. You guys don't want to miss it right here on the Marlins Catch Podcast. Opening day has passed us. The future is ahead of us. Let's go fish. Welcome back into the 13th episode of the IV here. Uh, Make sure to give us a call with the number 845-277-9345. It's 845-277-9345 to join us, ask a question, or comment on anything Cubs-related. But now, Max, we're going to get into the second topic today, and that's looking at the Cubs' MVPs for these first two games and also uh, looking into some of the other NL Central series that are going around the MLB. 
Yeah, so, um, like we, I mean, we did talk about it a little bit, so we probably don't need to get too in-depth, but um, I think we can both agree on this one. The first game, um, Javi Baez, I had as my MVP, um, as he had had his two homers and four RBI day. Uh, Thomas, do you agree with that there? Or is there someone else that you thought had a better or um, even as good game as Javi? Um, yeah, so I definitely overall would give it to Javi. Um, I would say also that even though he only had three strikeouts and it was a less than impressive game by John Lester's standards, especially for opening day, um, I think that he should be given some credit being that I was concerned and a lot of other people were concerned uh, with his performance in spring training and he was able to kind of quiet all those concerns. And then just the bullpen in general, um, seeing Randy Rosario and Brad Brock both throw scoreless innings um, I thought that was really good to see. And then, um, yeah, as for the offense, uh, Chris Bryant also with his two-run homer. Um, but overall, yeah, I would say Javi Baez definitely for game one with those two homers. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday's game, uh, the second game as the Cubs lost 8-6, to six, I had um, a few different guys uh, that we could mention. Um, but really my top one I had is Wilson Contreras. Uh, he was three for five with two doubles, um, two bar two RBI and then he picked or he threw out um I don't even remember who it was at this point but he did throw out someone at second base if I remember correctly or was that the first yeah. game uh no I, I think that was a, that was a second game yeah okay all right I thought so and then um yeah as for me I agree there with Schwarber and Contreras and then also just the four through six in general when you add in Javi to those other two uh, the four through six went eight for 14 yesterday with four runs scored, five RBIs, and also a walk. Um, as Javi has a 4.44 average, Schwarber has a 500 average, and Contreras has a 375 average in the first two games. Uh, so that that four through five in the order, or sorry, four through six, and then the other guy I would mention uh, would be Jose Quintana. I did mention the six hits and the three earned runs was not impressive. Or sorry, two earned runs. Um, but he did earn the hold, and the eight strikeouts was really uh, encouraging to see um, two strikeouts for inning there on average for Q, um, and especially for kind of like a, an abrupt appearance, you know, to get his number called for four innings of work on, on second game. Uh, I would definitely um, involve him with the MVP talk there. Yeah, definitely. And then um, there's also a couple other uh, important NL Central series going around the MLB now. Uh, the Cardinals and the Brewers, Max, I'll let you get into game one. They had that crazy ending there with Lorenzo Cain. Yeah, uh, the Brewers won 5-4. to four. They beat the Cardinals on opening day as Yelich had hit a three-run homer. Um, in the end of the game, I'm guessing um, most people have probably seen that highlight by now. Um, Lorenzo Cain robbed a Jose Martinez of a game-tying homer in the top of the ninth with two outs. Um, and I believe Josh Hader, I want to say, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Josh Hader um, pitching that game. Um, yep. Or the he end of the two, closing closing yeah, it out. He had two innings, two innings and four strikeouts in that game. And also in their game yesterday, he threw a scoreless inning and struck out the side. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the cane, the cane catch was pretty, pretty crazy, and I'm sure uh, – Hater had said some words to him after the game, um, thanking him for that catch. Um, if you haven't seen it, I believe it's on MLB's. I believe it's on MLB's page on um, 
on Instagram. Um, and something else to mention too, Josh Hader had threw a perfect inning yesterday, um, three Ks, nine inning or nine pitches. Um, mm-hmm. so he's looking good so far, but knowing Craig Council, he'll probably like throw out his arm or something. I mean, <laughs> especially, especially with uh, something else to mention too. Corey Knebel is getting um Tommy John for people who didn't know that. So mm-hmm. that's happening. Um, I mean, to me, I mean, I guess it makes the Brewers the quote-unquote favorites for Craig Kimbrell. Um, is it going to happen? I mean, at this point, I don't even know if Craig Kimbrell's going to sign. So, I mean, it could. Yeah, and they they have Josh Hader still. I mean, like, right. they're fine with they that. Right, they still have Josh Hader. They still have, I mean, Jer- I think Jeremy Jeffers is on the DL, too, for them. So, I mean, yep. yeah, so they've already got quite a few injuries over there, but. Thankfully, we're not on their tracks. Um, as well as Mike Moustakis, he had also homered. Um, something else uh, to say, Brewers starting pitcher, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but Chasen um, went deep. He, yeah, Chasen, he hit uh, his first homer of the season, I guess if you want to say that, or most likely his only homer of the season. Um, and then game two, the Cardinals won game two um, by a score of 9-5. to five. Um Yelich hit his second homer of the season, as well as Ryan Braun. Um, he hit a three-run homer in the third inning. St. Louis also got out to an early lead as Paul Goldschmidt hit three homers in that game. Um, and just his second game as a Cardinal, uh, four total hits and five RBI for him. Um, he kind of won the Cardinals that game. So, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not all, I'm not that excited to see him for the next what is it, six years now, I believe, mm-hmm. this year and five more. So, I mean, he's a great player. He's, pro- I mean, in my opinion, he's probably one of the best first basemen in the league. So, I mean, I'm, I, I want to say I'm happy for the Cardinals, but it is what it is, I guess. Like, you can't always keep all the good players um, away from them. So, after that, uh, the Cardinals and both the Brewers were both one and one. Um, and then game three, just yesterday, the Brewers won four to two. Um, Yelich hit his third homer of the season in the first inning with a solo shot. Um, three homers in three games for him. Um, Travis Shaw and Mike Moustakis um, had also both hit homers in the third inning. Um, Mike Moustakis now at two. And Josh Hader struck out the side in the ninth to earn his second save. Um, and then, Thomas, I'll let you get into uh, the Pirates versus Red Series a little bit. Yeah, before we do, I just want to mention also uh, game one is cool stat that every run in that game in the 5-4 to four win for the Brewers came from a home run. Uh, as also Colton Wong and Harrison Bader showed some power in the back of the Cardinals lineup with back-to-back homers. Um, overall, with the Goldschmidt uh, three-home three home run game, it's been a really uh, long ball-heavy series there over in Milwaukee. But like you said, uh, the Pirates and Reds are also playing. Uh, that's in Great American Ballpark, or also Great American Small Park. Um, and in Game One on Thursday, the Reds beat the Pirates five to three. Uh, the Pirates actually led two to one in the seventh before Jose Peraza hit a solo homer, um, and then Derek Dietrich's go-ahead three-run homer later in the seventh, later in that inning, gave the Reds um, a commanding five to two lead. Uh, the Pirates did come back a little bit with Corey Dickerson's solo homer in the eighth. Uh, it was good to see him kind of pick up where he left off. He was pretty pretty good, uh, especially home run-wise, power-wise, at the end of the year last year. Uh, but the Reds won 5-3. to three. The second game did get postponed, but we'll also bring in Benson now uh, because he's a Pirates fan and uh, talk a little bit about uh, the first game of 
the year for the Pirates. Benson, are you there? Can you hear him, Max? No, I can't. All right. Well, anyways, um, what do you have anything to take away from the Pirates Red Series at all so far? Uh, no, not much. Um, I know. Uh, here's the standings. Um, the Reds are one and zero. Um, as their game yesterday got canceled. Um, the Brewers are two and one. Cubs are one and one. Cardinals are one and two, and the Pirates are zero and one. Um, obviously it's early, and to me, I wouldn't really consider. Um, I wouldn't consider. I mean, April as something where you want to base the division off of, but I mean. It's something. It's always fun to look at. I mean, if I remember correctly, the Reds were like winning the division like a month and a half through, or a few weeks through, something like that. So it was crazy, whatever it was. Yeah, and then um, as for today, uh, the Cardinals will face the Brewers in the final. There, uh, hopefully, we'll see the Cardinals win that game so they can split that series. But it'll be right-hander Michael Walker against right-hander Corbin Burns, and then uh, for the St. Louis series, sorry, not St. Louis series, Cincinnati series. Um, it'll be Trevor Williams today at one, or sorry, twelve ten Central Time, going up against uh, newly acquired right-handed pitcher Sonny Gray uh, for the Reds. That'll be an interesting game to watch, possibly. Um, if I can, if I have the ability to watch that, I possibly will before the Cubs game. Uh, but do you want to go into the Cubs uh, week ahead, Max? Yeah, so um, today the Cubs play the rubber match versus the Rangers at 3.05 Central Time on ESPN with Cole Hamels facing Lance Lynn. Um, the lineup was just released a little while ago, too. Um, ben Zobrist is leading off, playing left. Uh, Chris Bryant is at third, batting second. Rizzo's at first, batting third. Javi's at short, batting fourth. Schwarber's in the DH at fifth. Um, Daniel Descalso makes his first Cubs start, um, starting at second, batting sixth. Jason Hayward in right, batting seventh. Albert Almora Jr. batting eighth um, in center. And Victor Caratini also making his first start of the season catching for the Cubs. Um, and then tomorrow in Atlanta, um, the first um, – that's Atlanta's home opener, I'm pretty sure. Um, it'll be Hendricks versus, left, uh, versus left-handed pitcher Sean Newcomb um, for game one of that series. Game two is on Wednesday, April 3rd. Um, after another off day on Tuesday, um, game two is at 6:20 Central Time with Julio Teheran facing um, to be determined for the Cubs. Um, I believe that's going to end up being John Lester. I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I don't know if they've announced it yet, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be Lester with Quintana pitching yesterday. Um, and then the Cubs. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was still Quintana. I know that. Um, he did work the four innings yesterday, but with the off day on Tuesday um, and then a couple of days already with Sunday and Monday, um, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if it was Quintana. I do agree that it probably will be Lester, but um, it, it could be Quintana still, so just watch out for that. Yeah. Um, and then after that's finished up on Thursday night, um, the Cubs face the – I don't even – who is it? The Brewers, I believe? Or is that the third yeah. game? Yeah, so the Cubs yeah. face the Brewers, um, and that's to be determined for the Cubs. Um, I don't even, I don't, I'm not very sure what Joe's gonna do with the rotation. Um, I know he wants to line guys up with, um, 
with pitching at Wrigley and then Quintana is really good for, I mean, I, I'm totally lost with the rotation right now. So, I mean, mm-hmm. whatever Joe does, well, I'm sure Thomas and I will both let you guys know on our Instagram stories. Yeah. And, um, I would mention that, yeah, like it'll probably be, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Quintana, uh, did, did uh, pitch against the Brewers because of his recent or his past history against the Brewers uh, pitching well, um, but like you said, we we are pretty unsure at the moment um, what Joe's going to do. But also just going back to today's lineup, like you said, I think um, it'll be good to see for Cubs fans like you and I to see Descalso and both both him and Caratini uh, get their get their first get their first crack at it uh, for for the uh, opening, or sorry, the starting lineup today. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to get into an ad, and then we'll be back for the last segment today, which will be come of yesterday year, where we'll, where we'll be talking about Ryan Sandberg. Benson? Right, said so no one. Gonna, okay, we're just going to roll straight in then uh, with Tub of Yesteryear, and I'll let you open it up uh, with Ryan Sandberg. Yeah, uh, so Ryan Sandberg um, was traded to the Cubs um, after the 1981, um, or in the 1981 offseason, uh, before the 1982 season. Um, he debuted with the Phillies um, on September 2nd, only played in 13 games with six at-bats. Um, and then, like I said, he was traded to the Cubs. Um, and, and as I have read, um, he was a really good prospect and wasn't even blocked um, in the majors. Um, and that was traded for Ivan or even DeJesus as the Cubs received Ryan Sandberg as well as Larry Boa. Um, kind of a, just a weird trade overall for um, for the Phillies. And it's kind of like, you don't, I don't really like fully understand or see why the Phillies did it. I guess that's something like, you could ask like an older Phillies fan, I guess. Like, like Thomas, do you do you have any idea like why they traded him? Because he wasn't blocked. I know he wasn't blocked at all, and it's not like they got anyone good back. Um, so <clears throat> short answer, no, I don't know. Um, could look into. Uh, I don't know exactly where he kind of stood coming into the league if he was, like, supposed to be as good as he ended up being or if it was, you know, like, I mean, the Boston Red Sox traded Anthony Rizzo, you know, and it, like, it could right, have been, yeah. um, you know, he, he came into form more than people thought, and that's like any yeah. prospect, really. Um, but uh, going into it more, uh, Ryan Sandberg from 1984 till 1993, so nine straight years of the Cubs, uh, when he was 24 years old, all the way up to when he was 33, he was an all-star, um, and he actually won the MVP in 1984. Um, a couple interesting stats about that year was he uh, had 19 triples, and not any other year he got over 10. Uh, so that's pretty insane, uh, 19 triples in one year. And then he also uh, scored 114 runs in that MVP year as well. Yeah, and um, the 114 runs led the NL, and then the 19 triples led the MLB, too. Um, so he went to 10 straight all get, all-star games, like you said. And another note, too, um, he had won nine straight gold gloves from 1983 till 1991. 
um, just to see a player be that elite from his tw- from his age 23 season to his age 30 31 season or yeah 31 season um i mean that's it's just mind blowing how good a player um is be to compete um to be an all-star every year um and then have a gold glove i mean what is it so nine gold gloves it's that's crazy i mean just mm-hmm. to even think of I mean, I, I believe if they have one too in the Cubs. I want to say like the Cubs shop outside of Wrigley or something. I don't know though. Mm-hmm. I'm not for sure. I know they have. I know they have some, but yeah, just having that many um, and being that good for um, the, the ten years he was. I mean, and even his whole career, he was really reliable. Just overall, he even he won seven Silver Slugger, Sluggers total, um, and also finished top seventeen in MVP voting six times. Um, so really overall great career um I really think that he's probably a top five cub of all time top three um I think easily yeah so I mean I I probably Ernie Banks probably the best cub of all time um and he's right up there right under him um off of my knowledge of knowing everyone that has been um and another another cool stat I found too um, after his retirement in 1997, he held the all-time record of 123 consecutive airless games by second baseman um, in baseball history. Um, the current AL and MLB leader is Placido Polanco. I've never even heard of the dude. Um, he had 186 straight games with the Detroit, Detroit Tigers from um, 7-2 of 06 to April 5th of 08. Um, and Darwin Barney... Wow. Yeah, Darwin Barney had uh the NL the NL um record and it was like 142 games I believe. So, I mean, pretty good defensive second baseman for the Cubs throughout really I mean, how many years cuz Darwin played what? How many years did he play with the Cubs? Like 5 something um, like that. Yeah, I can I can check real quick, but um before I do that, I also want to mention that in 1982, uh, he finished sixth in Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, n- number one who ended up winning the Rookie of the Year was second baseman Steve Sachs uh, from the Dodgers. And that also, um, that was for the NL. And then in the AL, um, I noticed that Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, was actually the Rookie of the Year back in 1982 during that year. Um, and then some other uh, notable years with some stats. Uh, Ryan Sandberg totaled 344 total bases in 1990. Uh, that was also a part of a year in which uh, he had a career 40 home runs. He only got to uh, 30 home runs one other year, and that was the year prior in 1989. Um, and then in 1989, he also scored 104 times. And then the year after, a uh, record or a career high 116 runs in 1990. Uh, that was the same year that. He finished fourth in MVP voting, which, um, you know, kind of makes sense when you look at the guys he's behind. Uh, Barry Bonds at one, Bobby Vanilla at Pittsburgh, number two, Daryl Strawberry with the Mets, and then you look down the list, Eddie Murray with the Dodgers, um, Ryan Sandberg finishing fourth among those guys, clearly planting him among uh, one of the top Cubs players ever. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say, Max, is that uh, – he only played in 57 games in 1994. Uh, only 247 play appearances, about uh, two thirds, or sorry, a third of what he of what his career average was. 
uh, with 695 plate appearances. But in 1995, he didn't play in the major or minor leagues, and I was wondering if that was a result of a possible injury in 94 with the 57 games leading over into 1995 season. Uh, do you have anything on that, or would that require us to look more into it? Um, I mean, as far as I have heard, it, it was because of an injury, or maybe he had retired. Okay, here it was. Um, He had announced he was retiring. Oh, yeah. But then... Yeah, so he quit baseball while still at his peak. Uh, he then returned to the game after a year and a half, uh, like he had never really missed an inning. Uh, supposedly on June 13, 1994, Sandberg announced he was retiring because, quote, I'm certainly not the type of person who can ask the Cubs organization and the Chicago Cubs fans to pay my salary when I'm not happy with my mental approach and my performance, end quote. Um, kind of an interesting quote there. Um, but, yeah. Brian Sam, that's the reason for it. Um, he did retire, I guess, from baseball twice. And then, uh, like we said, he eventually did come back in 96 and 97. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was he was not amazing, but he still had 25 homers in 96. Uh, but from 94 through 97, he, he didn't qualify for any awards. But that's to be expected towards the end of a 16-year career. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, um, 162 game average, uh, Ryan Sandberg actually only averaged 21 home runs. That's why I was saying that 40 home runs in 1990 was a pretty intriguing stat. And then, um, yeah, his average batting average was 285, um, throughout a whole, whole season and then a 344 on base. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get into a quick fan cast ad real quick, and then we'll be right back with you guys. This Tuesday, tune in to FanCast, where our host will break down the latest on all news from the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll be looking at the opening weekend against the Atlanta Braves and how players like Bryce Harper, Aaron Nola, Reese Hoskins, and JT Remuda all performed. We'll be looking ahead to NL East rivals like the Mets and Nats and who is the Phillies' strongest competition to make this year's postseason. Tune in for all this and more this Tuesday on FanCast. All right, welcome back into the 13th episode of the Ivy. Um, if you have any last questions or comments, you can call into the show via the number 845-277-9345. But, Max, uh, let's keep talking about Ryan Sandberg. I found uh, a few more interesting stats. I wanted to mention his postseason batting and his postseason appearances. He actually only appeared in two series um, in the postseason, which is unfortunate. Um, they both resulted in losses to NL West teams in the uh, San Diego Padres in 84. Um, That was the year in which uh, Ryan Sandberg had his career year. He won the MVP that year. But the Cubs did lose in that series to the Padres, and then in 89, they lost to the Giants. Um, Overall, in two NLCS appearances, uh, Ryan Sandberg uh, had a 385 batting average. Uh, He only had one postseason home run, six RBI, three stolen bases, six walks, But overall, a little disappointing that that, um, he couldn't get any more than just a couple cracks at postseason play. Yeah. um, I mean, that's like a lot of the early – not really early, Mm -hmm. but um, just before our time century, that was a lot of the Cubs, um, the historic Cubs. I mean, Ernie Banks, um, like you said, Ryan Sandberg. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Um, And something else to mention, too – Ryan Sandberg had a career 60.9 war, 
Um, I know this seems like super high, but like when you think about it, um, it's really like not, but um, he's 116th on the all-time war list. Um, so like 116, like, whoa, that's like super high. But you think about it, like you see how many players in the MLB a year. I mean, you see 25 just on a roster alone. So, um, yeah. I mean, even I mean, that's not bad at all. And then he was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2005. Um, and then he was formally inducted in, um, in June, 2005 and something else to mention too. Um, so the 1984 year, um, the year he had won MVP, apparently I have never heard of this, but there was a game called the Sandberg game. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it, but I, like, I've heard run with it, but I don't know exactly what it is. So here's the description. One game in particular was cited for putting Sandberg as well as the 1984 Cubs in general, quote-unquote, on the map. An NBC national telecast of a Cardinals-Cubs game on June 23 of 1984. The Cubs have been playing well throughout the season's first few months, but but as a team um, unaccustomed to winning, they had not yet become a serious contender in the eyes of most baseball, baseball fans. I literally, I'm so confused right now. I have no idea so, why it is. I don't so fully the understand. Were, the Cubs were down nine to three in that game. The Cardinals extended the lead in the sixth inning to nine to three. Um, Sandberg had a two-run single to trim the deficit to nine to eight. And from what I'm gathering, it's um, it was his third season in Chicago after the Cubs acquired him prior to the 1982 season. Um, with Chicago trailing by one and facing St. Louis closer Bruce Sutter in the bottom of the ninth. Um, uh, the battle of two future Hall of Famers. Uh, Sandberg brought the Wrigley crowd to his feet with a leadoff home run to tie the game at nine. Um, and then later that inning, they did fail to score. Um, then I'm trying to figure out here. In, in, instead of just reaching base to keep the inning alive, Sandberg's two-run home run tied the game at 11 in extra innings in the 10th, I believe. Um, and that opened the door for bench player Dave Owen uh, with a pinch hit single. So, Rand Sandberg didn't even win the game in the end, but um, I guess it was just he led the comeback. Um, and, I mean, yeah, it's, it is kind of interesting that the fact that he didn't win the game for them in the end, like the Brian. final RBI, yeah. that it would be called his game. But, yeah, that's the basis of it. Yeah. Um, and something else to mention, too, um, Ryan Sandberg became the highest-paid paid player in baseball at the time, signing a $28.4 million Four-year extension worth seven seven point one million a season, um, and today that's worth fifty million seven hundred five thousand one hundred forty-six dollars. Um, so that really shows you like how how much more money is worth like now. I guess like mm-hmm. the numbers don't change, but it really shows you like like Sandberg was being paid seven point one million a year, and he was the most paid. Like that's like a bench role guy now. Like bench players yeah. get paid some, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just wild to me, um, considering. I mean, he he's a Hall of Famer, and he was. It's just all. It's pretty. It's pretty wild how everything has changed. Yeah, and then also um, that year in which he had 40 home runs. I thought it's interesting. He actually led the NL in 1990 with those 40 home runs. Nowadays, you see, you know, 10, 12 players in each league at 40 home runs. So it kind of just shows the. Uh, advance of the league going to the long ball. But do you have anything else, Max, before we get out of here? Just one last thing. Um, his number was retired 
um, in August 28, 2005, um, in a game against the Florida Marlins. Um, just want to mention that, um, just to show like he was like he was one of the best Cubs of all time, um, up there with Billy Williams, um, and Ernie Sandberg, like I had said earlier. Yeah, so with that, um, it's going to wrap up our 13th episode of the Ivy Podcast here on March 31st. We look forward to seeing you guys next week on April 7th for our 14th episode as the Cubs will be getting ready for their opening day at Wrigley Field after the first 10 games will be uh, spent on the road. Uh, the specific time for the podcast will be to be determined. We'll let you know via our Instagrams. Mine is at the Cubs Wave and Max's is at Wrigley News. We'll let you know throughout the week what time the podcast will be at. Lastly, as always, go Cubs go, and we hope you guys have a relaxing rest of your Sunday. Bipolar with the check. I should put some crazy around my neck. Go crazy with your The IV is produced by Benson Fector. The IV is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Thomas, at the Cubs Wave, and Max, at Wrigley News. For more of the Ivy content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. And follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Ivy. We'll see you next time.